Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, where it's all about making the ultimate leap from your nine to five and building a business and life you love, all while doing it your way. I'm your host, Amanda Bolin. Let's get started. Amazing. Welcome back. I always say my She Did It Her Way listeners as if they're like, they're mine. You guys are mine, but you know what I mean. Just welcome back to the podcast. She did it her way. If this is the first time you're tuning in, big, big, big warm welcome. We're so excited. This is where we share stories about how women made their ultimate leap from corporate, their nine to five, and started their online business or just any business for that matter. And so they're sharing the behind the scenes of that mental journey, but also some tactical things. And so without further ado, today's guest is Nikki Nash, and she is a marketing expert, Hay House author, and creator of Market Your genius brand. After a decade-long career marketing Fortune 100 brands and tech startups, she set out to help women build profitable online businesses. I'm going to stop talking. Nikki, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Yes, I know. I'm just like, I can feel like our energy coming through the virtual screen. Share with my listeners, what is it that you do? And then let's kind of, you know, turn back the dial of the timeline to when you're working corporate, when did you know it was time to go? And we'll just unpack all of that. Yeah. So today, what my business and life looks like, I consider myself a you know content creator and marketing mentor. And essentially, I know what it's like for anybody who's ever felt this way to be unfulfilled in a job or to just know that you wanted to make a huge impact in the world for somebody else or for a community of people, but you are really good at what you know and what you do. Mm. But the whole like, how the heck do I get my name out there? How do I reach more people? How the heck do I sign clients and customers? that piece is kind of like, I am struggling with this. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people I see or or have tried all of the things, or it feels like they've tried all of the things. It feels like things aren't working, or they're just trying to get visible and are like, there are 5 billion platforms. Where should I be spending my time? And I didn't realize how easily that came to me until people started asking for my help. And I'm like, what? That's so fun. That's so easy. Let's talk through it. Like, you want to pay me? Right. Exactly. I'm like, what? I can make money. And so I today have a membership community. It's called the Genius Profit Society, which is GPS for short. And I always joke because it's like, it's the pathway, like the navigational system that'll help you get from, you know, wherever you are right now to having that brand, that personal brand that you've monetized and you're doing whatever, you know, your heart desires, whether that's writing books and selling them or speaking on stages or coaching, consulting, you know, being a freelancer, which Whichever kind of monetization plan works for you, we really work through how do we create a plan that will help you grow your business, get more clients and create that lifestyle that you want. Because I created a business and I was burnt out and hated that business. And I had to really make some serious adjustments in order to have it really work the way I wanted it to. I just found another nugget we're going to unpack. I want to, yeah, I definitely want to dive into, you had mentioned the created a business or realize it was not what you wanted. And so we'll circle back to that. And I love like... Like sometimes we forget that when something comes really easy to us, we think that everyone else clearly knows it and can clearly do it just as well as we can. But the truth is, is that no, that's actually like part of your genius is that you can do those things. So take us back to when you're in corporate, what year was it? Take us back to that moment. When I quit my job? Yes. Like, so was, gonna, the, like a lead, was there it. a lead up or did you just, you're like, I'm out. I I pieced out, but I did it twice. And I think this is, this is the part that gets really great for people because some of you may have been there, but in 2014, my aunt was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and uh, we found out that it was genetic. 
and my grandmother, my maternal grandmother had passed away from ovarian cancer. And when my aunt was diagnosed, my mom, who's of OBGYN was like, we need to get tested because mm. it was her sister. And she's like, yo, if this is what mom passed away from and you have it, there's a chance that we have things going on in our genetics. Sure. And then we, they started looking back and realizing that there were cousins that had, you know, different forms of cancer that passed away. And so my yeah. mom got tested and she tested positive for having what is called the BRCA2 gene mutation. Yep. And if anybody remembers Angelina Jolie writing an article called My Medical Choice, it was in the New York Times, and it was published around this time. It was published in, I believe, May of 2014. Mm -hmm. And she has the BRCA1, <laughs> I was like, I'm BRCA2, BRCA1 gene mutation in her family. And that makes her at high risk for breast cancer. And wow. so BRCA2 makes you at high risk for ovarian cancer. So my mom tested positive. My sister and I were getting tested and we're literally sitting in the back seat of the car when Angelina Jolie's article came out on like online on the New York Times. So I'm reading this article about her experience while I'm in the car getting tested going, oh my gosh, somebody wow. gets me. Because I'm like, I don't know how to explain to my friends what's going on, how I'm feeling, all these things. I'm like, I don't have words and I don't know what to do. And that article just came at this like divine, perfect, universal time where I was able to send it to my friends and say, hey, you know, this is, I'm being tested for BRCA2 instead of, as you read this article, instead of it being breast cancer that runs my family, it's ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. um, I just want you guys to know what's going on. And so uh, around that time, I really started thinking a lot about life and I'm sitting there, you know, doing really well at work. I had been making six figures since I was 26. Mm -hmm. I'm like at Intel, like really loving life going, um, I don't want to be a lifer. And so, like everybody on my mm -hmm. team had been there at least a decade, like, you know, like at least if not longer and they loved it. And it like, I loved my team. It was really great people, great benefits, great salary, mm -hmm. really did not want to spend the rest of my life working for somebody else's dream. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to quit, but I knew I was quitting and I gave myself, I think it was about three months or so, maybe a little bit longer. Cause I, I probably decided to quit that summer and I quit the following fall. So I gave myself a while to save money because mm. I was living in Portland, Oregon. I still had bills to pay and rent. Yeah. I was trying to pay down debt and save money, but I knew I was out. And I ended up giving a larger notice because my boss kept trying to like buy tickets for me to go to certain conferences and stuff. And I already knew I was going to mm. peace out. Did you um, go to CES? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't go to CES. Oddly enough, I was supposed to go to CES and I got walking pneumonia. Who gets walking pneumonia? I don't even know. I like, oh my God. It's like, so I couldn't go, but it worked out because I knew I was quitting anyway. So I didn't go to CES and I didn't go to another uh, conference, but I had a plan that I was going to quit. And my family goes to Mexico every year for my mom's birthday in March. So I had chosen, I'm going to quit and give, you know, two weeks notice before I go to Mexico. But I gave myself a lot longer so that I can tell my boss, hey, I'm not going to these <laughs> events. And then I quit. And uh, I would like to say that I started my business then. But what happened is I went to Mexico. We were there for two weeks. First week, freaking fantastic oh because God. I had zero work to worry about. In fact, I had my friends at Intel texting me because I think around the time, like the CMO was stepping down or something crazy internally was happening. And yeah. they're like, oh my gosh, all this stuff is happening. I'm like, that's crazy, but I don't care because I'm not working there no more. And like, I don't uh -huh. have anything to do. And so life was great. And then the second week, my mindset started going, Nikki, what the heck are you going to do for money? Oh no, <laughs> like, yeah. 
It was like, I had this like panic and then I started looking for jobs and I was like, I don't want another job. And then, you know, my brain is very rational when it comes to talking myself into something. So I have to find sure. a logic, like a logical reason, like something you could say to somebody that would make sense, even though it's complete mm -hmm. BS. Oh, and so everyone's brain is like that. Yeah. We buy emotionally and justify logically. Exactly. I mean, everything like that. If we think about why did I purchase something? It's like it, emotion. 99.9% .9 of the time drives it and then we justify it by logic. Exactly. And like, I, it works. It <laughs> does, except for when I justified uh, looking for jobs and that was not what I wanted. And so I told myself I should get a job in a tech startup because then I would learn how to actually build a business because up to that point I was working for big brands. Like I worked at Intel, I worked in InStyle Magazine, I worked at an ad agency on the Kraft Foods account, I interned at Coca-Cola, like everything was like wow. big brand, right? And I'm like, I need to know how to market like something and smaller. So I literally started looking on angel list. I think it was at the time for startup jobs. Mm -hmm. And I found a job head of marketing tech startup in Boston, Massachusetts. And I ended up taking that job. Uh, I had uh, like, I took a couple months off and I started that job in like June or July. And this is 2014 at this 2014. Point? Yeah. Okay. I lasted maybe a year and a half, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> which is when I quit my job again without a plan, but I was, the general plan was start a business. But what got me to quit that job was that I got to a point where I was a walking zombie. Like I mm. literally was just going through the motions of life. My soul wasn't fulfilled. I loved my team. People were great, but I did not care anymore. I just didn't care. Mm. And at the beginning I could care because I'm like, I'm learning it's new and it's fun and I'm helping something grow. And all of this is applicable to when I start my thing. But all I kept thinking was I'm not doing my thing. And that just started like wearing on me, my soul. I stopped doing things I loved. I stopped working out. I gained all this weight. I was just like miserable. My best friend's like, what the F is wrong with you? She was in New York, but she's like, I can tell that you're not yourself. And like, do I need to drive my butt to Boston and like come slap some sense into you? Like what is happening? And so she was just like, you know what, like quit, quit your job. You've been talking about starting this business forever anyway. And like, it can't be worse than what you're experiencing right now. So go for it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go for it. And I was thinking about quitting that day and, and I didn't know if I was going to do it, but I just sat at my desk and it was like, I looked around and it almost felt like, do you ever like look and like your eyes are kind of hazy? Like you're almost like, like, I can't really see straight. Like, what's going on? Like, am I in the Matrix right now? Right. No. It was just like yeah. weird. It was so weird. I can't really describe it, but I just kind of like felt like I'm not in my body right now. And oh, literally, yeah. I just had this thought that was like, this is your life. Like, is is this the life you want? And I'm like, no. And I, wow. my manager, we had a one-on-one. He was the COO of the company. We had a one-on-one -on -one conversation scheduled. He canceled it. He's like, can we cancel or reschedule? I said, sure. And then I was like, nope, we got to have it back. And he's literally like, he was nervous because he's like, oh, I thought you were going to quit. And then I was like, I'm leaving. <laughs> he's oh like, my oh. gosh. He was like, I was looking for you to come in with a piece of paper because like, you know, my resignation letter, but I didn't have it yet because I was like, nope, we're meeting. And so I'm like, yeah, no, I am. Um, and so he's like, okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I wow. left. I think I, I quit and I had maybe a week and a half, two weeks max there. And I quit at a time where, where was I up next? It was right around March. And I went straight to Mexico, like a week or so after I quit and went on that vacation that we go every year for my mom's birthday. Wow. Okay. So let's take a pause right there. Cause I feel like there's so much that I kind of want to unpack before we get into 
post-sleep because I feel yeah. like that's also another headspace arena that is a little different, right? Because the lead up and everything is kind of like this dreamy space sometimes, not all the time, because there's obviously like the poles of the emotions of like, what the hell am I doing? Like, should I be doing this? So you left Intel, then you went to Mexico and you're like, this is amazing. Like I don't work and I'm like free. And then the brain kind of starts to kick in and goes, girl, what the hell are you doing? Like, what, what is this? And so you get the, another job and doing head of marketing. And then you officially quit for, for good, uh, quote unquote, for lack of better. But like one thing that I love about your story is that it wasn't this labeled quote unquote, clean break, if you will. And even having, so like, I always tell the story. I, I had a, a bridge job where it wasn't as if I just went from corporate straight to, I became a full-time freelancer where I was a 1099. And basically the only way that I made money is if I found work, it was, I went and worked at a middle company that I was a staffing company. Right. And so I think it's just important that if you're listening or watching to know that everyone's journey is so different and it doesn't mean that yours is going to be exactly the same, but find inspiration in the stories of everyone's journey and how they did that. So I love that. Okay. So what was life like then? Like you kind of like geared yourself up. You officially like quit after that bridge job. Where was your brain the day that you, you didn't go to work? Was it in the same headspace? Like was your brain in the same headspace the second time around in Mexico as it was the same the first time? No, it really wasn't. And I think for a couple of reasons, a couple of things helped. I mean, on one end, I was a little freaked out because I was living in downtown Boston. And like, yes. was, like literally, if anybody's familiar with Boston, I lived on Beacon Street right on the border of Beacon Hill and uh, Back Bay. And it's literally I was on like, if you took two steps one way, I was in Beacon Hill and my apartment was in Back Bay, but Beacon Hill is one of the most expensive places in Boston. And I was living in a, a one bedroom apartment by myself, walking distance from the river, like so close and right next to a park. So it was, it was pricey. And at first I was like, I needed to make sure I could afford rent. And so my brain just went into like, you've got this, you can do this. And what I didn't mention is that when I first quit my job and I was freaking out about money and I was looking for jobs, I needed something to do. And while I was at Intel, the founders of a company called General Assembly mm. uh, were on a millennial board that Intel had created to like get into the minds of millennials back when we were cool. <laughs> like, you know, like now, <laughs> now nobody cares Gen about Z us. It's like, whatever. But like there's a new generation yeah. coming through. Move along, millennials. Right. Okay. <laughs> but we were cool at the time. And so I was reading about it. I'm like, General Assembly sounds really cool, but they were headquartered in New York. And so I had reached out while I was living in Portland, working at Intel saying, you know, hey, I love to teach or support you guys in any way I can. I had been teaching internally to build my brand, like social media courses. They were lunch and learns. That's really what yeah. they were. But at Intel, just for Intel people, it's not like I got paid extra, but it was something that I, I found out that I liked doing. Yeah. And they were essentially like, hey, we don't have anything out in Portland right now, but if you're ever in New York. And I was like, well, I'm from New Jersey originally. I'm definitely coming home at points. Even I was like, even if I teach a course while I'm home for Christmas break, I think it would be cool to test out. Long story short, when I quit my job and I was officially in the New York area, I started teaching and recording courses for them. Some were online courses, some were wow. like in-person workshops. So when I moved to Boston, they had a Boston office that they connected me with. And so I taught the courses for them 
from the time that I had started my tech startup job the whole time. So wow. I had an additional income really coming in. And it was mm. like, I taught those courses. It wasn't like a huge commitment. They were workshops. So usually they were three hours or a full day. I taught one course that was 10 weeks, but I had that money coming in and I knew that I could always do that and make sure that if I needed to pay my rent, I knew how many courses I needed to teach in order to be able to pay a bill, right? Yeah. And so it, sometimes it's like, it's not like I had, oh my goodness, I have zero income. I started saving money. Mm. Um, I started making sure that I could ramp up or down my teaching courses with them. And then what was really cool is that I was teaching things that I was really good at and I liked. And then people started asking like, hey, could I hire you? And then I was like, great. So it be, also became a source of clients, which was essentially a double win. So that's um, amazing. And I love like another thing too, is that you're doing those courses at General Assembly while having a full-time job. So you're getting that exposure, you're getting that experience while having the benefit of the income of the full-time job and the constraint of the full-time job, which yeah. is, I, I think is so massively like huge. And you said like, savings as well. So yeah, take us through like the first year in business. What were some of the exciting moments? What were some of the wins and what were some of the like, yep, don't really ever want to experience that again. So the first probably big win that was shocking really to me, I don't know, not the win itself, but just how quickly it happened was I had made connections with people in the startup space because I worked at a tech startup. I really, it's funny. There were a lot of things that I just liked doing that I didn't realize would actually help me in my business. So I just liked meeting new people. So I would go to these startup networking events and I uh, lived in what I affectionately call a frat house. It was, the intention was it was a startup that was supposed to be a co-living space for entrepreneurs. You know, mm -hmm. you have co-working, but it's like, yep. hey, you move to a city, maybe you're coming for an incubator. You can all live in this one place. It ended up being a frat house. I was like one of like <laughs> two or three women. I was like, oh my gosh, I live in a frat house. But I lived with a bunch of guys who I became friends with. And they were like some of my biggest advocates. They said, hey, I was speaking to this guy, his startup, they need a marketing consultant or they need this. And I was just, they helped me get my first clients. So I, from one client alone, brought in more than enough to cover my rent and food and like any other, like my car payment and all that jazz. You know, I didn't really think hard about how I was charging. I really just kind of went, I Googled some things online and then wanted to make sure that if I, even with one client, I could live <laughs> so that if I, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, what if I only get one? And so that first year ended up being really a lot about networking, meeting people, bringing on clients. I made a lot of mistakes. I, I mean, I still make mistakes, but like, we all, I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's just, just like life. Anyone watching or listening, surprise, like you're going to continue making mistakes. So it's yeah. okay. Just learn and be kind to yourself through them. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I just, I made a bunch of money on paper, like revenue wise or booked business rather was even more important or more kind of nice. It looked good. But mm -hmm. the reality was, you know, I, when people are on, whether it's payment plans or like different things like that or retainers or, you know, I didn't have, when I looked at, oh, our contract maybe is a whole lot of money. You know, maybe it looks like it's, oh, this one client is paying me $30,000 or whatever, but it's not like I got all of that at once. And so one of the things that my first year looked like was I forgot basic math, like basic money math. Mm. And I have my MBA. I loved accounting. Like I took, I even took accounting in undergrad and I was an English major. Like I took 
financial planning classes because I thought maybe that's what I wanted to do. Also, while I was at the tech startup, I was doing a lot of things. <laughs> I was like, maybe I want to be a financial planner. But I, I like spent more than I should have, really. Like mm -hmm. my business wasn't that profitable my first year, though I had on paper all this money, you know? So the first year it was a lot of fun, a lot of mistakes, primarily taking on clients that I really looking back, probably wouldn't have taken if I didn't go, ooh, money, you know, ooh, mm. I need to pay this bill or ooh, I want to yep. go on a trip and travel. So obviously I should take this. Yeah, I had a lot of clients that I, looking back, should not have taken because it wasn't in alignment with what I really wanted to be doing. What would you say then? So that was sort of, so the first year was one networking really came easily to you. And so it allowed you just to like land those clients word of mouth. And then the learning the financial ins and outs of business. Cause I, I empathize with that. Like when I was the first year I was a contractor, oh my gosh, it was like money was flowing one month and then the next month it wasn't flowing as much. And I'm like, but how do I find a balance to live? And like, wait a second, I spent how much money and I only have this amount left. My accountant was like, so how much is in your bank account? And I like told him the amount and he looks at me and I'm like, yeah, that's probably not right. Is that? And he's like, yeah, you made that much. And that's how much is in there. And I was like, yeah, so definitely. And that was like 24, 25. And I'm like, okay, time to learn. I feel like we all have those like money experiences where we're like, Ooh, yeah. Gotta, gotta do something different. What was it like? So now we're in 2021. That was 2016, 2017. How would you describe your business and the evolution from the, like after the first year to now? So, so many lessons along the way, I think outside of you know, realizing to work with clients that you actually or customers that you actually want to work with. Like I, I even changed my target audience since then, you know, I was working with a lot of startups at the beginning, and I completely pivoted to working with women entrepreneurs that are looking to monetize their message. And I would say that my business today, the biggest, the biggest, biggest, biggest difference is that before I used to look at my business as how can I get all these things done to afford me the opportunity to have the schedule and the life that I want. And now I put the schedule I want first. Like mm -hmm. I already have my 2022 calendar blocked off. Like my Google calendar is blocked off on the days that I'm not working. I want to take the month of December off. Like I just blocked it all off. And now I go, okay, based on our goals and objectives, how can I accomplish that in the time that we have? Mm. And it's a complete flip because at the beginning I worked crazy. I worked like a crazy person yeah. and I don't even know if anything that I was doing was really that important, but everything felt important. So I was doing all of the things for the first few years of my business, trying to do all of the things, even with team, even with like a virtual assistant or some help, but I was trying to do all of the things. Everything seemed important. And I tried to squeeze in time to relax and that didn't work. And now I'm like, no, here is my life first. And mm -hmm. then we put in work. And instead of having, you know, one virtual assistant that I try to have do a lot of the things I go, let me hire people for specific roles. And they may start off part-time or even if it's just like one or two hours a week and then scale, but like, this is their role. This is what they're doing. And I make sure it's something that can expand. And I changed that really for my own peace of mind, because I find it easier to have someone take ownership of mm -hmm. something like you are in charge of making sure, you know, my podcast rocks, right? Or maybe even mm -hmm. if it's two people, like you two are in charge of making sure this podcast goes out consistently. Here's our system, our structure, when things are due by what I need to see 
see. Bam. I have Celine is magic. She and I worked together when I was doing consulting work for Louis Vuitton. And she literally is like, this is, she manages my schedule because I, I couldn't do this for myself before. She's like, here's your schedule. She looks at my emails. She like helps me plan events for like book launch and stuff like that. But it's doing the things that, hey, here's the role and what you're responsible for so that I can focus on these other things. Yeah. You mentioned that you created a business and realized that it wasn't what you wanted. And I think you kind of alluded to that in bits throughout our chat here. So when was it that you realized you're like, hold the phone? Like what is happening right now? Because this is not at all, because I want to go back to and unpack even more about how to put the lifestyle first. And I know that there might be people listening or watching thinking like, it's so easy for you to say if you're an entrepreneur to put your life first, but our lifestyle. But I have found that when you actually put the priority on what you want as a priority and you start making decisions to protect that and like that priority, that's when the magic actually happens versus people think that they need to see it before they can believe it when it's actually, you need to believe it in order to see it and like think yeah. that it's possible. So when was that tipping point for you're like, I'm building a business that is not feeding into a lifestyle I want. Well, I'd like to say that there was a really sharp, like defining moment where I realized this and all magic happened afterwards. But I feel like my life <laughs> is usually like get hit with the same realization over and over again until it sticks a little bit more. And so <laughs> the first time was when I realized, ooh, my clients and, and all of this isn't working or when I would stay up and I'm a morning person, I wake up early regardless of what time I go to bed. So I would be up doing things like tweaking my website. I probably had like one visitor on my website <laughs> and I'm trying to make it look a certain way or have all this content. Like, what are you doing? But I was staying up late working on something and then I couldn't sleep and I'd be watching, you know, at the time Netflix had Marvel's TV shows and I'd be like staying up to watch like Daredevil or Jessica Jones or, you know, all the different shows that came on and my life was just not working well, right? Mm -hmm. And so the first realization was I can't do this. I can't use my downtime to binge watch TV and Netflix and use my work time to stress out and do work all the time. So mm -hmm. that was number one. And I thought that the solution was I need to find clients that I'm more in line with. I need to do less because some of my clients were getting like done for you services as well. I'm like, no, I want to move more into just purely consulting or coaching or mentoring, kind of figuring out what those words meant at the time was, was mm. big for me. And I pivoted that way. And then the pivot came when I heard that you can have this laptop lifestyle and travel all the time and be everywhere, right? So I started doing that. I love traveling. I am also a homebody. I don't mm -hmm. love traveling every week. I was I was always somewhere. I was like always somewhere and it burnt me out. And I had a mentor that said to me, you get what you focus on. And I focused on traveling and I got traveling. And I realized that as much as I love traveling, that was not my ideal lifestyle. Like I was like, <laughs> is not fun for me. And so I had to really pivot again and go, okay, well, what the heck is it that I want? Because this isn't it. And so it's happened a number of times, but I would say that probably the biggest time that I realized, oh, I can make a change and it's not the end of the world is I, I got to a point, there was one time where I was really burning out. I was burning out and I felt it and I could tell. And I had a week filled with meetings. I'm talking like interviewing people on my show, people that just wanted to, or I'm not even sure if I had a show. I was doing like Facebook lives a lot at the time too. So like interviewing people on Facebook and Instagram lives. I had people who just wanted to pick my brain. I had discovery calls. I had all sorts of stuff on my calendar. And I remember just being like, I'm so burnt out. And a friend of mine said, well, why don't you just take a week off? Why don't you just take next week off? And 
I'm like, oh, I can't, I have all these meetings. And she's like, you can't, or you're choosing not to, because I Ooh. feel like you could move all those meetings. And I was like, I can move all those meetings. And it was a real big exercise. And it was like Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm emailing everybody and their mother. And I had so many meetings Monday to Friday. So many. I canceled every single one of them. Moved them wow. all. And I moved them all like one week out, two weeks out, three weeks out. Like I just said, hey, something came up. I need to move our meeting. And I didn't give a whole real explanation why or anything. I just said, I'm so sorry, I have to move it. And what that did for me is it freed me up to realize that my business didn't collapse because I took a week off. And when I did that, I did nothing that week. And I felt great. And I felt more inspired and excited about going back to work and doing things for my business. And so then I started structuring time where I purposely take weeks off. Like I know when I need it and I take that time before I need it, way before I need it. And so that was a big changer for me. And what that looks like has evolved to the point where my 2022 schedule, which I've already blocked off, I'm not working on Mondays or Fridays. I'm only working Tuesdays to Thursday. I am only working until 4 p.m on any given day like i'm not working past four eastern and it sucks sometimes for my pacific folks but i was like yo i burn out like three o'clock is the last yeah. time that i want to be doing like work work on my business you know like podcast interviews and stuff like that i have fun it doesn't bother me but totally. um like working i'm like oh my gosh i just i live for four o'clock and so i'm like and then i realize i have to keep going it doesn't work for me so i blocked it all off it says no meetings four o'clock and after it, it was blocked off monday and friday and then i have weeks i already chose weeks that i'm taking mm. off and it's just straight up blocked off when you look at because the other the one question i was going to ask which is a follow-up and you kind of answered it like when you came back after that a week off how did that change the way that you approach things which you had shared you've already got 2022 blocked off and kind of like some constraints in your schedule is there anything else that it's like changed your approach or your mindset around in addition to that yeah it's it really showed me that there's not a lot that's really all that important and like, for example, this year, my best friend's mom passed away mm. and I wanted to not only be there for the funeral, but I wanted to be there for her. And I wanted to be there to watch her son while her and her husband had to do, you know, funeral related things. And so I took that week off. I straight up like moved everything. And what's crazy is I, I mentioned I take weeks off in my business. I had taken the week before her mom passed away or the week that her mom passed away, like passed away on Thursday. I had already taken that week off. So like I was off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of that week, her mom passed away Thursday and I had Friday off and I'm like, okay. And I had a jam packed, not super jam packed, but pretty packed the next week. And I just moved everything. And so I had two weeks off for my business and it wasn't like I was, you know, at the beach, but it really changed my perspective in terms of even what meetings are important. I mm. no longer am in charge of my email. Like Celine is the first gatekeeper to my email. The only thing that is like urgent, 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 important is anything that comes from my publisher or editor, because it's usually like important, right? With a deadline <laughs> that like, I want to know when the deadline is in case I have to move around a meeting to meet it. So it just changed my perspective on what is important. I now only really focus on things that I believe I actually have to do in my business. And I've simplified my marketing and business strategies to the point where like I doubled down on podcasting. I love podcasting and I'm like, well, then that's what I'm going to focus on. So this week, for example, example, we test things out this week. I tested out podcasting week. And so I've just been podcasting every day this week. And that's all I've been doing. I mean, I may respond, I will respond to my team on Slack. If someone needs me to look at something, I have uh, a break, a very specific period of time on certain days. But outside of that, all I'm doing is podcasting. I've learned that doing a whole week of podcasting, probably never going to do it again. Cause I'm like, 
<laughs> we're on Thursday and yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I have one more after this and I'm legit going, yo, I've done like four or five today and I need to apparently see a vocal coach now because I am oh, shocked that I haven't lost my voice. My gosh, that is a, that, that's a lot, especially because you're like kind of, sh you're showing up, you're giving yourself, you know, it takes a lot of, a lot of energy and time. What are things that you now say that are just like a clear no that once were this like hazy yes? What's a, a really good example of a clear no for me is uh, there will be times where people, anything that somebody is somebody else's a priority and not mine. Mm. So, you know, I'll have people go, oh, I would love to speak with you. I, I really want to, you know, see if we can collaborate or see if we can pick your brain or something that seems like an opportunity. But I really spend my time now going, okay, what's the one, what's the theme of this year? Like, what's the one thing that has to happen this year? What's the one thing that I'm absolutely focused on? And maybe it's two or three, I'd never go more than three, but like, what are the things that are super important to me mm -hmm. this year. And then if somebody asks me something that is not related very directly to one of those three things, it's either a hard pass no or a not a priority. And like, if it's like, you know, doing something for somebody I really care about and I want to do right. as a, like a friend and it's business related, I'm not going to rearrange my life and everything to make it happen. But I will say, hey, Celine, I have blocked off time for things like this and she can put it there. But yeah, I'm if it's not in alignment with the things that I'm focused on or a huge like family priority or something, it's a hard pass. So important to cultivate the no thank you or just the no. And I definitely, that took me a while to learn the muscle and knowing that you can say no, it's okay. And you can still appreciate someone without it being like, no, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling, but like, yeah, no. I think because a lot of it is the way that we protect our time and boundaries and energy and space is learning to say no. And I just like some of us, including myself, like for years, it was really, it was such a practice that had to be cultivated because there's so much other fear on the other end of like missing out and all that. But I feel like like what you're saying is when you're clear on what's important, you can stay focused on it and continue moving forward in the direction. I, a couple more questions, because I know we're getting to our time here is one, just give us a snapshot of how your business operates on the back end. So the people in your business and kind of what they do so that you can focus on what it is that you're like your sweet spot. Yeah. And then the second is like, just kind of touch on how has your business, the marketing strategy shifted from what it used to be? Yeah. So there are a couple of things that I want to answer. And really quickly, I just wanted to say, because when it came to the no, I almost want to say we have to relearn it because mm. I spent time with my best friend's son. He's two. His favorite word? No. <laughs> Like, no, oh he my legit, God, that's such a good point. He, like says no to like, do you want no. this? No. And it's not like, no, I'm going to think about it or no, because it's a straight up no. no. What about this? Yes. This? No. It's like, it's so firm. It's so, so like good. unapologetic. It's like a heck no, but it's coming from a two-year-old and you're like, all right, I guess you've told me how you feel about it. What and, I learned from a two-year-old. Right. Yeah. So now <laughs> I, I actually, he's my workout inspiration too. I basically do what he does, which I've concluded includes a lot of burpees. Like he just like lies on the ground and then hops up and then runs around in circles. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I am really exhausted and you are still going. And it's been like 10 minutes and I don't understand. But yeah, and saying no. But in terms of now, I need to remember your actual question. But I was like, I just need everybody to like watch a two-year-old. Right. Like, you know, learn from the two-year-old. They own and they are so confident in their no that we can, I love that. I'm going to like remember that next time. The first question was just, 
you know, talk to us a little bit about just the, the operational side of your business and how many team members and kind of, yeah. is there like a flow that you guys follow? Yeah. So I have core team members. So I would say like my assistant, I have somebody who does design graphics, stuff like that. And I'm trying to think like marketing, like social media management and stuff like that is a role that I'm just refilling. Cause I love, I love it when my people are like, Hey, I have this opportunity to do like something else or they want to start their own business and, and do yeah. things. I'm like, cool. Uh, but then I'm also sad, but I get it. And so like that's pretty much core team i have somebody who edits pod and does podcast stuff so and then i have what i call kind of like projects that come up mm. so when i have a project and we're building a website for my book and like even you know a new website in general so that's one I, when my book comes out, I have a book launch manager who's going to be with me for the book launch, right? So I have like my four to five core people. And then at, during any given time, there might be somebody that kind of comes in for a period of time and helps. Everybody's part-time, you know, contract right now. In my dream future, I would actually like to have a small team of full-timers. Small, I'm talking five less full-time. That's what it looks like right now. Amazing. Awesome. And then the second question is like, what's been the biggest transformation or change from how you used to market your business to how you market it now? Yeah, I think the biggest transformation is interesting because it's something I've been telling other people to do, which I apparently don't think I was doing it as well as I thought I was. And that is to do less better. And mm -hmm. so my marketing, like I 2021 is called the year of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Like I just doubling down on podcasting in general. I mean, I have a book coming out and, and a lot is going into that. But essentially, from a marketing perspective, it's choosing the thing that I really, really enjoy doing. Even though I've been doing this all week, and I'm a bit concerned for my voice. That's the main <laughs> thing I'm concerned about, right? I'm actually I'm an introvert. I don't I didn't think I would be this energetic talking You're so to this energetic. Yeah, right? that's what I mean. I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. But like, I it's because it's the only thing I'm doing. And it's like, I mm. do this. And then I take a break. I have breaks in between each one. And it's like, I break, I relax, and then I go back and I can come back with energy and excitement. And so it's really do less and do it better. And you mm. only need, you know, for most people, you can get away with having one thing that works really, really well for you and get that working. And then you can add a second and then you can add a third because, you know, some of my clients, their one thing was speaking on stages and then you have a pandemic and it's like, okay, pivot, but not drastically. It's like, we're speaking virtually, right? But it's like, you don't need a million plans or activities. You just need something solid that's going to work. And if you can spend 90% of your time on things that you know work or testing and validating something that does work, then you can spend your 10% of time on fun stuff that just comes up when you're like, Ooh, what's Clubhouse? I got to check it out. And then, you know, you have 10% of your time that you can dedicate to Clubhouse as opposed to all of your time. And then you're not sure if it's making you any money yeah. or generating any leads. Yeah, that's so it's such a good reminder, especially to like in the beginning of starting, there's all these like shiny things. And there's all these different options that we can choose. And sometimes it's just making a decision, choosing one, sticking with it, testing it before pivoting too soon, right? And because otherwise, then it's like, do we have any real traction? So that's so good. Okay, I have a few um, closing like rapid fire questions. What is one of your favorite business books of all time that you recommend? Oh, I don't even know if it's a business book. It's, a, I mean, it's, I'm going to say it's a business book. I actually like it. It's not so much for the read. I mean, cause it's really old book, what I'm about to say, um, but the game of life and how to play it, it's super Ooh. thin. And I love it because every time I think about the premise of the book or even just the title, it just reminds me that we make up everything. Like all of this mm. is just kind of like a game and you can either choose to create the rules or you can live by the rules that society or other people put on you. So mm. I really love that book. 
because it, especially for business, it changes the way I think about things. Yeah. So I love that. I've never read it, but I'm definitely going to put that down on my list. What is your like number one, hundred dollar or less best purchase one can make in their business? Okay. A hundred dollar or less best purchase. I would say like an audible subscription. So good. Love it. And then my next question is, is for the listener out there that is contemplating and afraid to take that next step, whether it's the next step to potentially quit their job, the next step to start their business, the next step to take their business to the next level. What is your like one sentence piece of advice? Just do it is my... <laughs> It's my Nike slogan for you. Um, but really just oftentimes it's fear of failure. So I would mm -hmm. say, you know, just embrace failure would be my yeah. advice. Embrace it. It's going to happen. So you might as well, if you embrace it, it's going to hurt less than if you resist it. <laughs> Amen to that. I love it. And then the last question, where can my listeners connect with you and find out more information about you and what you're up to? Uh, amazing. So my name is Nikki Nash. I would say that the honestly best way to connect with me and learn more about me. It's just, if you like podcasts and you were down with, well, obviously you do because you're <laughs> listening to Amanda and her magic. But if you were down with this episode, listen to the Market Your Genius podcast because I share what's going on and funny stories of life, even when I'm interviewing people. So check that out. Awesome. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for coming on. She did it her way. And I'm so excited and so grateful to have you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head on over to shedidaherway.com where you can access the entire vault of She Did It Her Way podcast episodes. And you can also access free trainings and resources all about how to make the ultimate leap from your nine to five. And if you enjoyed today's podcast episode, I would be so grateful if you headed on over to iTunes and left a review letting me know what you love about the She Did It Her Way podcast. Until next time, keep doing it your way.